Oh, God is so good. And I want to share with you today, talk to you about life on purpose. Last week I began this series and it's born out of a desire to help you discover what life is really all about. And last week we talked about the difference between pursuing life for happiness or pursuing a purpose in our life and how that God has not called us to pursue the illusion of happiness. In fact, uh, the Bible tells us that as we pursue happiness for our lives, as we're trying to gain happiness in the things of this earth, we just end up feeling more and more empty and eventually lose ourselves. We lose the sense of who we really are because God created us for purpose. You and I were saved for the purpose of good works. God has called us to purpose. And the question is, what purpose then? What, what is my purpose in life? And there are specific things about your purpose that you need to pursue and find out uh, from the Lord. But there are also some things that all of us have been called to, especially those who are called uh, the children of God. Those of us who are born again, we have been called to be ambassadors for Christ in the world. We have been called to be reflections of who He is. We have been called to share His message by demonstration in our lives so that other people can see us and see God in the midst of our lives. Now, it's not that we're perfect or anything like that. In fact, I want you to know that your imperfection actually accentuates God within you. Uh, it proves that God can do through somebody who's not perfect anything he wants to do that God can use. God will accept people who aren't perfect. God will love people who aren't perfect. He'll make them his children, even though they're not perfect. And he will do amazing things in and through their lives, even though they're not perfect. So I always say, you know, your imperfection, your faults, your failures, even your sins, they're not necessarily a black mark. It's not that they're good. It's just that even though you have those things, what they do is they show the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate God so much for that. His love for us in spite of our sins and failures. So God knows that you're not perfect, and yet he wants you to be his ambassador to the world. He wants you to be a walking, living letter of his love. You represent God in the world, and it's so important that you understand that because if you're going to live out the purpose that you have for your life, you're going to have to understand who God is because if you're going to live the purpose God has for you, you have to have the heart of God within you. You need to have the heart of God in the way you conduct your life. So you can't live like everybody else. You can't love like everybody else. You can't be like everybody else. You can't take positions like everybody else and expect people to see something different about you. The Bible says that you should be prepared at all times to answer the question of why you have hope within you. So people need to be seeing something different in your life in the way you live. Now, a lot of people who take a religious approach would tell you that means that you need to behave yourself all the time and don't make mistakes. And if you do, hide your sins very well so people don't see them. And that's not really what God is wanting us to do. That's not what God is talking about. The point is not about hiding our sins, but the point is about displaying the heart of God in our lives. 
It's about displaying the heart of God. So the question is, what is the heart of God? If you're going to live with the purpose God created you for, and you're going to display the heart of God, you've got to know what the heart of God is. So what is the heart of God? Well, a lot of people think God is about judgment. That's what God's really about. He wants to smack down all the people doing bad things. And and the reason a lot of people think that is because they themselves want to smack down people that don't agree with them. They want those people in another country destroyed and killed because they don't live like us. They want their political opponents destroyed because they don't think like us. They want people of different uh, of a different race to be destroyed because they don't look like us. Whatever the reason is, people often attribute God as a God who is all about judgment because that's what they're about. And listen, God is the righteous judge, and yes, God will judge. That's the truth. But what is the heart of God? What is the heart of God? A lot of people think God is about me, and this is a mistake a lot of Christians make. They think that uh, being saved and my life in Christ is all about me, but there's there's two sides to being a Christian. There's It's like two sides of the same coin. When you come to Christ, it is about you, and there's aspects of your life that God is always feeding you and nourishing you and loving on you and helping you and taking care of you and blessing you. All those things are true, but it's not just so that you can have a pleasurable life. God takes care of you so that you can turn the coin and live for other people, so that you can live for other people. So if if you think and your Christian walk has all been about you, and it's all been about uh, how God can bless you and take care of you. And, and, and all the sermons you hear and you like to hear are about how God is going to bless you with money and finances and take care of you. And you're, if you have problems, he's going to make them all go away. And you're never going to never even experience problems. You're going to just like walk on clouds through this life. And God wants you to visit Europe. And God wants you to, to have more than one house. And God wants you to have a multitude of cars and all of that. Can I tell you, that's just silliness. It's just silliness. You know that uh, financial pleasures uh, are not God's priority. You always having a pleasurable, happy life is not God's priority. Hmm? Oh, I want to help you today. Learn what is really in the heart of God. Yes, God loves you. He takes care of you. Yes, God is going to judge sin. And yes, God is going to judge people. Yes. All those things are true, but what is the heart of God? What is the priority of God? I want you to know that the heart of God today is this, love. The heart of God is love, and the priority of God is the lost. Did you hear me today? If we want to have the heart of God, if we want to live a life of purpose, then our priority has got to be that we have the heart of God and our priority is those who don't know him. That's how we have to live our lives. But let's be honest with ourselves, church. Come on, can we be honest with ourselves for a second? That's not really how we live, is it? Uh, We might think of God as love, but his love is extended to us. And his priority has got to be me. When I think of my relationship with God, when I think of God, I always think of my relationship with him and how I'm doing and how he's doing in my life and all of that. And I think that's sort of a, like a a default position that we have. But you know, if we have the heart of God, then our priority needs to be, how is my neighbor doing with God? 
What is God doing in my neighbor? What is God doing in my family members and my coworkers that don't know him? The lost should be the priority that we have because we have the love of God within our hearts. If we look at John 3, 16 and 17, it says, For God so loved the world. God loves the world. What does that mean? He means the love, he loves the people of the world, each and every one of them. You know, there is a hell and there is a heaven and you and I make the choice which direction we go. There's only one road that leads to heaven and it's through Jesus, but there is a hell to go to and all other roads lead there. But God didn't create hell for you. He doesn't want you to go there. In fact, he's gone through great lengths to stop you from going to hell. To the point that it says here that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Listen to the heart of God in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. Let me say that again. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world through him might be saved. You see, God's heart is that he doesn't want to condemn you. He doesn't want to judge you. He wants you to come to Christ so that you can be set free. The heart of God is love. Let's look in 1 John 4, 7 through 11. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Are you hearing this today? By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God. Hear this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. You want to know when someone is walking in the spirit and full of God? It's when they have love. It's when they suspend judgment. It's when they don't have to be proven right. It's when, it's when they love people who aren't lovable. You know, the world's way is to destroy your enemies, but God's way is to love your enemies, to have compassion for them. Jesus came for the very people who are trying to crucify him. Are you hearing me today? If we want to have the heart of God, it starts with having a heart of love. It starts with deciding that people matter. People are not an inconvenience to their life. They're not the problem with your life. You know, you can get this mindset that your neighbor is your problem, your boss is your problem, your spouse is your problem. And if you was to cut away all of your problems, you'd be left alone and all by yourself. And then you'd be complaining you have no one. Some of you, that's the position you're in. You, you get on Facebook and Twitter and, and, and you complain that you have no one in your life. And it's because you've spent a lifetime complaining about people and cutting them out of your life instead of loving them. But, oh, pastor, you don't know the problems they cause. You don't know the things that they do. Can I tell you, the way other people irritate you is the way you could irritate God. But God loved you anyway. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That, can I tell you, love is a choice you make. It's a decision that you're not going to let those things irritate you. You're not going to stop your enemies from, from loving them. You're not going to let them get to you. You're going to decide to feel about people the way God feels about people. 
Did you know that you can do that? Some of you have been led around by your feelings so much you don't even know that you have power to change your feelings. Mm. Some of you, that's why your marriage didn't last, because you let your feelings tell you how things are instead of telling your feelings how they need to be. Oh, I'm preaching good now. Woo! You need to hear that. Some of you quit your job because you let your feelings tell you how it is instead of telling your feelings how they're going to be. Can I tell you something? You can, by the power of your will, tell your feelings how it's going to be. And your feelings will follow your faith. Oh, glory to God. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. You're supposed to be the master of your feelings. And so when you decide you're going to feel about your neighbor a certain way, then you will begin to feel about them the way you have decided because the love of God is already in you. You just have to release it and let it happen, child of God. Listen, if we're going to have the heart of God, we've got to care about people. We've got to love them, which means we've got to believe there's a heaven and a hell and they're headed to one or the other. I truly believe there are many Christians who don't care about the lost because they truly don't believe in heaven or hell. They say they do, but they don't really think of their neighbor going to a place where there is an eternity out of the good presence of God and there is nothing but evil and destruction and torment every day for eternity. They don't think that's true. They don't really believe there's a heaven that you can lead them to where there is eternal joy and happiness and peace and no more sickness and no more crying and no more death. We don't truly believe that for if we did and we loved them, it would change how we felt. We would see them through the lens of that kind of love. We would know that it is so important that we reach them. Yes, God loves his people. Listen, God loves me. Oh, he has lavished love upon me. Can I tell you something? The heart of God is love, but the priority of God is the lost. And I believe it's proved in Luke chapter 15. In fact, later on, I want you to read this entire chapter of Luke with you, Will. There's three stories in Luke. There's the lost coin, there's the lost sheep, and there's the prodigal son. And each one of these stories has a lot lot of depth to it, a lot into it. You could get a lot of sermons out of these. But their main point is this. God is concerned about the lost, the one lost. So in Luke 15, 1 through 7, It says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So religious people are saying, Why are you hanging out with sinners? Why are you doing those kind of things? Have Have you been there before, Christian? Listen, let me just take a side note here. God is about the lost, right? So if you are connecting with lost people and religious people are condemning you or accusing you, then you are sitting in the same seat Jesus did. You are standing in the footprints of Jesus. So never be discouraged by religious people condemning you for reaching out and trying to connect with the lost. Now let's get back to our story here. So we told them this parable. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does he not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. 
I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know why that means so much to me? Because I was once the one lost sheep. The point of these stories is this. When there are those who are safe and in the family and they have eternal life, yes, God is concerned with you. And we say, and when I say that the priority of God is the loss, I don't mean that God can't focus on two things at the same time. Of course, he can go after the loss and he can take care of you at the same time. He's God. But the point is that you and I can't have the priority of two things at the same time. We can't have the priority of ourselves. You know, we can't have that mindset that it's me and my wife and my kids and my friends and family and the rest of you got your own life. I'm not worried about you. I'm getting mine and we're getting ours. If we have that mindset, if our priority is me, then our priority cannot be our lost neighbor. It cannot be the person who doesn't know Jesus and needs to know him. And so the priority of God in these stories, God is telling us, if there's one person who's lost, go after them. Don't first take care of every little problem in your life. Don't first sit and wait until God has taken care of every problem. Stop making the excuses that that go like this. Well, once I get this problem solved, once I get the kids out of school, I'll have more time. Once I get caught up on bills, then I won't have to work so much. Once I, once I get uh, my, my degree, then I can start preaching the gospel. I can start loving my neighbor. Once I get to this point, no, God is saying, stop thinking about getting your life perfect because the priority is on the lost. And if the priority for God is the lost, then the priority for us is the lost. And let's be honest, church, I don't think in in churches in America, the priority is the lost. I don't think we're thinking about those who don't know God. And and you know what? The, The church should have an active plan for how to reach the lost. And it should be led by people who feel a calling of God to reach the lost, who have the gift of evangelism and want to reach the lost and train believers in how to reach the lost. And can I tell you something? The church is missing those people. Where are the people called with a gift of evangelism who want to draw people from the church together to make a coordinated effort to win the loss for Jesus Christ? Where are they? We need you to step up, identify your calling and step up. The church needs you. Not only should the church have a coordinated effort to reach those who don't know Christ, you should. You should have an intentional plan. You should have a list of people in your life that you have got your prayer focus on. You are focused on them. You are intentional with them. You make moves toward them. You do things for them because you're trying to win them to Jesus. You're trying to win them to Christ. You're trying to show them. Now that scares some people because they think they're going to have to you know, they're going to have to sit down and have a conversation at some point. And maybe you will, but it should be a natural conversation. Because the first step in sharing Jesus with people is really the life you live. It is who you are. It is living with such a purpose that your life demonstrates something to them. And then your words can back up what you're demonstrating. So it's, it's not about uh, some sort of human wisdom where you're going, to, uh, you're going to be so wise and use the Bible so well, you're going to convince people to come to Christ. No, 
Let me tell you how it happens. You're going to display the love of God in your life. You're going to display the peace of God in the midst of the storm. You're going to display the love of God for those who are your enemies. You're going to declare the truth of God or, or shed the light of God into the world to those uh, who are seeing all sorts of deceptions and lies, and you're going to declare truth. And, and by doing these things, people will look at you and the Holy Spirit will convict them. He'll open their spirits. He'll wake them up so that they can see there's a truth in this person's life. And words and conversations will follow. The Holy Spirit will take care of all of that. But listen, it is your life that preaches the greatest sermon of all. Glory to God. It is your life. And it's not a perfect life. It's a life where there's mistakes and failures and faults, but then love shows up. And people see it not as you being like a better person than anyone else, but what they see is that there's something in you at work. Oh, and this is where it really gets good. They see Christ in you, the hope of glory, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The heart of God is love. The purpose of God, the priority of God is the lost. And that ought to be our priority as well. In fact, it ought to be our priority to the point that it moves us to action. That's right. God's love is not just the love that feels, but the love that does. And if we are going to live a life of purpose, then we have to do. I I always say to people, you know, doing is not what makes you a child of God. But if you are a child of God, you will do. Faith makes you a child of God. and, And in faith, we discover who we are. So it is who we are in Christ, who, who Christ declares us to be. We are his children, born of God. And when we discover who we are, that declares what we do, right? You know, it's like when you look at a fish, a fish swims. And it swims because that's who it is. That's who it was made to be. And when you look at a child of God, a child of God loves and reaches out to the world and does things in love because that's who a child of God is. It's in our spiritual nature to love. And so that's the test for you. Are you walking according to the pattern of your father? Are you living a life of purpose? And if you are, are you demonstrating love? Romans 5, 6 through 8, watch this. For while we were still helpless and sinners, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God didn't just feel love for you. He did something about his love for you. He did it while you were an enemy of God, while you were completely disobedient, while you were still at the point of helplessness and hopelessness, Christ died for you. For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man, some would would dare to even die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I want to ask you this question today, child of God. Are you living a life of purpose? Is your purpose found in Christ? Is your priority the lost? And if it is, if you love people and you love the lost and you want them to know Jesus and you want them to come to eternal life through Jesus Christ, if you really desire that and you really love them, the next question is, how are you demonstrating that love? What are you doing to demonstrate the love of God in their life? What actions are you taking to demonstrate the love of God? Because love is not just a feeling. It is an action that you take. 
It is feeling in such a way that you can't sit there and let things continue as they are. If we love them, then we will get on the road between our family members. As they're walking down that road headed towards hell, we will get in the middle of the road and we will do everything we can to stop them. We will do everything we can to show them the love of God, to declare them the story of God's great and magnificent and delivering powerful love. We will do everything we can to show them that God doesn't just want to deliver you from the punishment of hell. God wants to give you life and purpose and hope. And God wants to fill you with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. God wants to give your life meaning. Hallelujah. If we love them, we will demonstrate God's love to them because God's love is action. If we go back to John chapter 3, the most famous scripture, everybody knows it, for God so loved the world. What happened? Well, well God so loved the world that he, he just sat in heaven feeling love for everybody while they uh, went their own way and they headed towards hell. He just sat in heaven feeling love for people and did nothing about it and washed as one by one they died without any hope. They died and, 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 and destined themselves to an eternity without hope, without God. No, God loved the world so much that He gave. He gave His only Son. And I want to challenge you, church. If you want to live a life of purpose, you're going to have to give. Now, let me say that again. If you're going to live a life of purpose, you're going to get to give. It is more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. You know why? Because every time you give for God, it's a seed planted that's producing a harvest. You see, your life is producing a harvest and the harvest is souls. The harvest is people coming to God and knowing Him and experiencing the love that He has given to you. Now, if you don't know Jesus today, maybe you're not a Christian, and maybe your experience with God and with Christ is judgment, is about uh, Christians are supposed to be perfect and live right, or Christians act like they're perfect even though they're not. They hide their sin, and, they, and yet they act like they're perfect. Listen, that ha that's religion. That's man-made religion. That is man trying to take the love of God and put it in a box that he can control so that he can, he can then tell you how to behave yourself, what political party you should belong to, how you should cut your hair, what language you should use, what you should eat and drink and all these things. But listen, the love and the message of God cannot be contained by man's religion. It is bigger and it is greater. And if there are constraints on God's message, then it is the Holy Word of God that puts those constraints on them, not mankind. No, God is not about judgment. If God was about judgment, if that was his priority, he would have come. Jesus would have judged the earth. Sinners would be dead. Oh, but what does the Bible say that God delays his coming? Why? It's not that he's slow about keeping his promise to return. It's that he's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to him. He wants you. He's reaching out to you. And he wants you to just have faith and receive him. Jesus has already done all the work for you. You're not going to earn a place in heaven because you start becoming religious and doing good things. No, it's as simple. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that if you believe in him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. Could it be that simple? Could it be that it's already paid for and all you have to do is trust in that? 
Could it be that when you stand before God and he asks you why you should enter heaven, the only thing you need to say is because I have trusted in Jesus as my Savior? Yes. Yes. It's that simple. You turn to Jesus is, is your way of turning away from yourself. Glory to God. Believing in Jesus is a way of stopping believing in your own self. Are you catching that? Repentance is turning away from my Mylon saving himself to, to turning to Jesus, saving Mylon. Glory to his name. And so we've got to demonstrate that message to the world. Glory to God. When you tell your testimony, when you show the love of God, when you smile at somebody, when you go to a restaurant and the food was good and you call for the manager and tell them what a great experience you had, when you get online and you write a review, I'm talking about simple things here, and you say good things, that is different than the world. The world doesn't do stuff like that very often. You can be different. You can stand up. It can be small ways, or you can sacrifice yourself. You can adopt a child that has no home. You can give a kidney to a friend who desperately needs a transplant. You can dedicate yourself and your life. You can work hard and raise a lot of money, yet live very humbly and take the extra money you have and help the poor. I'm telling stories off the top of my head, but every one of you have heard stories about people like this. And you know what? Christians ought to be the one doing these things. We ought to be the ones living these kind of lives. We ought to be leading the way in love. We ought to be leading the way in love. So I'm challenging our church. I'm challenging you, Austin Alive Church. If we're going to live a life of real purpose, then that purpose has to be the heart of God. And the heart of God is love. And the priority for God's love is to those that don't know Jesus. We have to wake up with the intention of finding those who don't know Christ and demonstrating God's love to them and declaring to them and, and showing them and sharing them the love of God. Yes, the choice is theirs whether they receive that love and walk in that, but it's our responsibility to demonstrate that love. And, and as we make that sacrifice, as we give, as we do, we are planting a seed that produces a harvest because some of those people are going to come to Christ. Some of those people are going to get to heaven. And, and, and if you would just just imagine the throngs of people in heaven and we're all telling stories about how we came to Christ. And each one of us, as we tell the story, of course, Jesus is the greatest hero of our story and, and the Holy Spirit who convicted us and brought us to the light. And we're telling all the story, but we also tell of that friend or that neighbor that told us about Jesus or that time that preacher preached that message and taught us about Jesus or that aunt that always demonstrated love about Jesus or about that one person at church that wasn't about religion but was about love and how that person is the one who kept us believing in something and, and names will be told and stories will be told and as you plant the seed the story in heaven is going to be your name. They're going to talk about you and how that you demonstrated the love of God in their lives, how that they mattered to you and you used your life, your time, your treasure, your energy for the purpose of showing them Jesus. Father, I thank you today that you have called us to live a life of purpose, not the vain pursuit of earthly pleasures or happiness, but you called us to demonstrate God's love for the world. 
And I thank you for that, Jesus. You are the first example of the embodiment, God in the flesh, demonstrating the love of God. For in you was life, and your life was the light of all mankind. Your life lit up the truth about God, that He wasn't here to judge us, that it wasn't His desire to destroy us. It wasn't His first call to bring justice and destroy. No, His first call was love. His priority was that all could hear the message and come to repentance. He is waiting. He's delaying. He's, he's waiting because He wants all to come to repentance. Oh, glory to God. But the heart of God is love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The heart of God is love. It's mercy. It's grace extended to those who don't deserve it. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you did all of the work, all of the obedience, all of the perfection is wrapped up in you and that if we just believe in you, we would have eternal life. And Lord, for those who have received and been born again, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the people who preach to us, who in their lives they demonstrated to us who God is. Thank you for the people who demonstrated to us what it means to truly know Jesus. They, they weren't perfect. They didn't show us perfection, Jesus. You did. But they showed us what Christ can do inside of a person who believes. They showed us the love of God. They showed us the power of God. They showed us hope in the way they live. Thank you for those people. And now, God, we want to be those people. We want to be the people who demonstrates the love of God. We want to be the people who live lives of purpose and sacrifice. We want to be the ones who intentionally demonstrate God's love to a world who desperately needs God. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Jesus. You've, you've empowered us with love. You've filled us with the Holy Spirit. And we want to be used by you, God, to demonstrate your love to a world that desperately needs you. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Oh, I am thankful for the people in my life who demonstrated the love of God, who showed me what being a Christian is really like. They didn't show me perfection. They showed me how that God uses imperfect people, how God loves imperfect people, that there is hope and it is found in Jesus Christ. I hope you see that today. I hope you realize that today. And, and if you don't know Jesus, and maybe you're feeling, you're sensing that what I'm saying is true and that Jesus is the only way. He is your hope and your purpose. He is he's your destiny. He's the doorway to God and everything that you need in life. If you're, if you're sensing that what I'm telling you is true, then come to Christ. Don't worry about like whether you have a tattoo or whether you cuss a lot or whether you drink beer. Just forget about that for right now. Just don't even worry about that stuff. Those aren't the things that save you. They're not the things that keep you from being saved. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that people are condemned because they don't believe. See, if you believe, and believe in what? Believe in the truth of what you're feeling right now. You're feeling that you need God. That's conviction. That is the, the light being turned on in your spirit. You're sensing that you need God and you're sensing that Jesus is the only way. Believe in that. Trust in that and move in that direction. And just, just declare, I believe in you, Jesus. I don't understand everything, but I believe in you and I accept you as my Savior. And I, I believe that you took the penalty for my sin, that when you died on the cross, you took the punishment I deserved. 
and that you rose to new life so that I could rise to new life. And you know what? The Bible says that if you have that, you are born again. If you believe that, you are born again, that God will bring your spirit to life. And, and yes, now that you're alive, you're part of the family, God will begin to grow you and work on you and shape you in His image. And trust me, He won't shape you into some religious fuddy-dud. He won't shape you into Ned Flanders of, on the Simpsons. No, God will shape you into something incredible and powerful and good and glorious. And you'll be surprised the things God will want you to do as opposed to the things religion will want you to do. But it will come because God works in your life. And you know what? As God works in you, you will become a demonstration to other people. They will see the hope of God inside of you and they'll want what you have. Because when the world is tasted all that this life, this earthly life has to offer and they're still empty, they're, they're thirsty and they're longing for something more, they will see something in you. Glory to God. Glory to God.